A vision without execution is just a dream. Welcome to Transformative Experts with Chris Elias. Like the show title says, Chris speaks with transformative experts and business leaders who share their successes, failures, and leadership tips that will help you transform your business into a success story. Now, here's your host, Chris Elias. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Transformative Experts. I've got a fun guest for us today. I've got Allie Levine here with us. Um, Allie is a celebrity fashion stylist. She's an on-camera personality, a fashion blogger, social media influence, podcaster, many, many other things. Coach, she does a lot of really great stuff. Um, but among it all, she's got a fantastic story. You know, as, as we like to highlight stories of, of people who've gone through transformation success. So, so welcome, Allie. I'm glad you're with us today. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. Oh, I'm so glad. So um, anyway, you know, as, as, as you know, we, we always like to start with some personal history. And, and I, I look at things like, obviously, celebrity fashion stylist, you know, on-camera personality. You know, these, these are things that are fun. How do you get here? How do you become an expert at these things? So, you know, love to hear some of, some of your life story. Where did it all start for you? Where, where did the interests go? And, and let's talk about your path a little bit. Absolutely. So I always laugh when, you know, people read, write your bio and they read off your title and you're like, oh yeah, I, you know, I I do do all those things, you know, especially as a mom, I think uh, I sometimes uh, forget all these uh, achievements uh, that I've had over the years. Um, But, um, you know, I first am originally from New York. Um, So I was born and raised in New York, right outside of New York City. And I always loved fashion. I always had such a yearning, a love, a zest for fashion. Um, my grandmother, who is my very best friend growing up, she's now on the other side. Um, she was my inspiration. I would sit in the room with her and watch her get ready. I would play in her fur coats and grab her lipstick and her pearls and twirl around and, you know, just get, try to get dressed at three years old in her clothes. And I just remember constantly watching her and being enamored by watching herself be put together and how fabulous she would look and feel. I was just, it was so interesting to me at such a young age. And then then as I got older, you know, I really started tapping into that, I think, without maybe even realizing the styling side of things, because styling wasn't a term I knew at a young age. But I think it was kind of innate within me because I would go to stores and I would, you know, get dressed and try different things on. And I would put different things together and I say to my grandmother, oh, you know, this color makes me feel this or I love this trend because of that. And I would help her find things. And, you know, we would be just shopping together, having fun. And we'd see a random, you know, family and I go over and give my two cents, even if it wasn't, you know, asked for. And I'd be like, oh, I love that dress on you, or this looks beautiful on you. And people would start saying to me at a young age, like, wow you know, you really inspire me to wear this. You know what? I wouldn't have bought this, but I'm going to buy it because you said something. And, and I was young, you know, and, and so that kind of just continued. And then I started going to fashion shows in the city as I got older and taking design classes. And I learned to sew from my grandmother and do oil painting. And I just started tapping into all these different gifts that I had. And I was really, really, truly just, I think I was just drawn to, you know, there was no real rhyme or reason. It was just really within me. Um, and I always realized that everyone had this like confidence with in them when they would put something on that they loved and they would feel good in or a color that would speak to them and you would just watch the transformation and I was fascinated by that at such a young age even for myself my mom said that I was like three four years old and I would go in my closet and I would get myself dressed and I would come out and she'd be like what are you wearing? And I have like the craziest bright colors and designs. And she'd be like, I don't know if that works. And I'd be like, yeah, this is what I'm going to wear, you know? And that that was me like always. And so I think I just always had that, like that zest for like fashion and how it all came together. And then as I got older, I started trying to figure out like, okay, what would this mean for a career? You know? And I I didn't know like really still what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to be within fashion. And so then I, you know, start, you know, applying to different schools. My dad is very, very practical. God love him, but I wanted to strangle him when I was a high school <laughs> and college <laughs> because he's super successful and he's done so well with his businesses because he is so, you know, what the business should be, how you should have your mindset and all that. But I am way more of a dreamer and creative and like mesh with me. I was like, I just want to flow. I just want to jump in. And my dad was like, well, before you go to fashion school, I want you to go and do a business, you know, situation and get some business underneath you. And I was like, no, I want to just do fashion, you know? And he's like, well, I'm paying for your college, which I was very grateful, but it was like, you're going to do business first before, you know, you go into fashion, which dad was right because you know what business to this day has always served me as much as fashion is amazing. And I definitely think the two, 
go hand in hand. And anyone that, you know, might be listening that's debating going to fashion, having some kind of business background before that is definitely a good thing to have and separates you in the fashion world. Well, and, and I think that it's a good background really for any, let's call it artistic pursuit. I mean, there's plenty of artistic yeah. um, businesses out there. I mean, there's there's lots of fashion, certainly one of them, but there's so many more. And and I think you're right. You know, having having the business background will allow you to leverage it to, into some success. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. And I kind of saw that as I went along in the world. So, you know, I did some business and then I ended up, you know, going to fashion school after. And after, you know, graduating and, and you know, getting my degree and, and going into school and everything, I basically got offered a position with Target as an executive of Softlines. I first did an internship with them um, after working in my fashion club. It was funny because I was actually not looking for a job for me. I was looking for jobs for other students because I was the president of my fashion club. And they said, help us find, you know, different jobs for students. And so I was, but while I was doing that, I guess I impressed Target, or as I call them, Target. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, they were like, we'd love to have you, you know, intern for us and potentially become part of this program. And I was like, oh, okay. So I wasn't, you know, it just kind of happened while I was bringing other, you know, students in. And so I started working for them and did an internship with them. And it was really fascinating getting to learn all the different parts of the business, you know, they really teach you as an executive from the management level to the fashion level of all the different soft line departments, so logistics, like everything. And it wasn't what I expected it to be, but I learned a lot. And I was 21 and they turned to me and said, hey, we'd love to offer you, you know, a job doing this. And we'd love for you to come back to New York. So I was back, I was out on the West Coast for a minute. And they said, we want to come back to New York and open a flagship store for us and go into training in Brooklyn and this and that and the other thing. And, you know, I'm 21 years old and I, I'm sitting here like, can't even believe I'm being offered this crazy, huge full-time job, crazy, you know, paycheck. I mean, it was like how do you say no? I was so right. torn because I, right. I wanted to go more into creating and design, but I had this massive opportunity in front of me. And so, you know, I said yes. And I, you know, went back to New York and I took the training in Brooklyn and I, you know, opened their flagship store. And it was an amazing experience being so young, getting to open a store and, you know, run things and essentially be with all these major, you know, players in the target community who are like so much older than me, so much more experienced that are like, you know, working with me and honored to be around me. And I'm like, wow, this is kind of surreal, you know, but it was, a, it was a great experience. And so after a couple of years of doing that, I really kind of felt like I hit a wall in creativity. And I said to myself, you know what, I, I love this. And I've got an amazing experience business wise, but the fashion is not fulfilling me, even though I'm getting to be a part of the fashion and target. It's just not, it's not doing it for me. Like I could feel my passion was dying. Right. And so I turned to my boss and I said, what can I do? Because I love this company, but I'm just not, it's just not fulfilling me. And he totally got it. And he's like, look, we kind of wondered how long you were going to last. If you were going to just fly up the chain and stick in this, or if you were going to end up leaving because we knew your background and, you know, and so it was comforting to know that he kind of knew where my creative brain was. Yeah. And and I said, well, what can I do? And so they offered me to go to Minnesota to go and check out the design team there because they didn't want to lose me, which was amazing. Um, and unfortunately, between being a very tiny town for me, uh, being from New York and being extremely cold, colder than New York. It is um, cold. It is cold. cold. I got off the plane and they took me out there. I got off the plane and I said, please make sure you're covering, you know, any um, parts of your neck and any parts of skin that may be hanging out extremities because it is negative 15 wind chill. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, I've got, I actually got clients real close to their headquarters. And when I, when I've had to go there in the dead of winter, it, it is really, really wild, but they do have quite an operation. They do. It's amazing there. Can I tell you? I mean, and maybe like at this age, it'd be different, but I was so young. And so like, I can't do this tiny town and it's freezing and there's nothing here. It's just this community. Like it was for me at a young age, it was, it was too much, but it really was amazing. I loved the opportunity to go in and see it, the way they have it built up out there. I mean, Target's community alone, it, was, it really was amazing. It was hard for me to say no. I mean, when I got sure. back and they offered me the design job, I looked at them and I was like, Ooh, am I, am I making the wrong decision? Like, you know, but something inside of me, I've always trusted my wish and something inside of me said, no, something else will come along, but you have to let go of this. You have to have trust. And um, so I told them, you know, I was going to, you know, leave and I gave my two weeks. I trained another executive and I left. 
And so then I started really having this reality check and I was looking around for design jobs because even though I was able to apply for these different jobs in New York City, I was almost overqualified because here I am coming into the space as an executive in Target and people are like, well, one, we can't pay you that. Yeah. <laughs> and two, like you have design experience, but you don't have like the full throttle of like what we need in these businesses. And I was like, whoa what am I going to do then? And so I had to really sit with myself and say, am I going to continue on the same path and that retail executive and go get something else? Or am I going to take a step back and take a pay cut and say, I'm going to learn and, and start over. Start over. Yeah, exactly. So I started over, I started interning again in fashion and I started, you know, trying to find my way all over again. I landed a, um, a basically an assistant job in uh, production and design with a company called fragments. Um, they are a private label jewelry company um, on Soho in New York. And I started, you know, working for them and just doing whatever they needed, whether it was the, you know, design assisting or the shipping assisting, I was just there, you know, the low end totem pole assistant, you know, and that yeah. was where I started. And I took like a 40 grand page, uh, pay cut. And, um, you know, I had like a very little position, but I was so happy to be in my design element. I felt like, okay, this is the start of something new as crazy as everyone thinks I am that I just took a huge step back in a way from what I had built and what I was doing. Oh yeah. You know, I, it's, it's, you know, I think that, that a lot of highly successful entrepreneurs have gone through that. You know, I, I myself, I, I don't know if I'd call myself highly success, successful, but leaving the corporate world, I went from something that I think I, I did pretty well at. I mean, I was promoted, I made it up in an organization, but, but you know, the, the, the next day when I was following my passion, the day after I finally kind of pulled the trigger left and walked away, I, my wife will tell everybody that I was a new man that day. It was just a whole different thing. And, and there is a step back that you sometimes have to take. I, I can't believe how many people I've heard tell a story about how they'd love to change or follow passion, but they, 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 they can't get their arms around that step back and how do you do it? But if you do it, the reward is absolutely incredible. I completely agree with you. And that was the thing. It was like, even though I was making like no money yeah. and I had to go home for a minute because I like couldn't afford, you know, anything. And it was like kind of an ego check in a way. I was so happy with how I felt every day going in and knowing like I was learning about design. I was around fashion and it was so fueling. It was so rewarding. And so then, you know, fast forward, I finally then have this position right now. I can start applying for other companies for this more of design world. So then I go and apply for coach and I start working for them and I get to work in their design department even further and do handbags and accessories with them and get a part to be this uh, team called the non-CC team, which was like basically this, uh, team that was doing the non-traditional, you know, coach uh, sure. accessory bag. It was very cool to be a part of. And I was so elated to be in like real design and, and leathers and colors. And so I felt like, oh my gosh, like I, I'm really thriving now. I know what I'm doing. I'm happy. And then the stock market crashed. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. We, we all went through that. Oh yeah. And for me, you know, when I went through it, it was like, talk about a, a kind of a forced transformation I was like, we, I just finally found like this, this, I'm just starting to progress. I just got bumped up. I'm seeing more money. I'm seeing more growth. I, I'm learning more about design and loving this. I feel like this is where I could be. And boom, the stock market crash and they let me go. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> what am I going to do? Um, and I just remember being devastated because I thought, wow, I finally found what I love and what I'm doing. And it literally was ripped away from me. And like, how, like, where do you even go from there? And of course, so many others were going to that as well. So it was making it even harder for me to find anything. So I had no choice but to, you know, start going and just kind of freelancing and doing whatever in design that I could get just to have experience and to make money. So I went and did like different freelance agencies, you know, in fashion and worked for Talbots and Lacoste and a bunch of other companies. But I was there for like, you know, two weeks at a time. So I'd right. fall in love with a company and then I was booted out. <laughs> um, and it was just happening over and over again. And I realized more and more my soul was really taking a hit and I wasn't being fulfilled. And I was like, as much as I love design, this is not working right now because the market is just, it's not there right now. And I thought to myself, like, okay, what am I going to do now? Am I going to go back into retail because it is still steady and I could go jump right back in and make more money? Or am I going to do something else? And that's when I thought, okay, let me try something else because obviously what I'm doing isn't working. I don't want to go back necessarily. And I didn't know what that something was else was, Chris. I just was kind of searching like what else could there be 
in the fashion realm. And luckily I had some family and friends that were in the entertainment industry. And they said to me, well, why don't you explore like the entertainment industry? Why don't you see that's something in fashion you could do? And I was like, I don't even know what that would be. I don't even know like what that would entail, but I didn't have anything. And so I thought, okay, you know what, if I can get an interview, if I can sit down with a mentor, like, sure, why not? So I went and uh, had a couple of interviews and uh, ended up getting a couple of different internships in the entertainment industry. So once again, starting over as an intern, you know, no pay. Um, and it was like, okay, well, I'm going to get some experience. Yeah. You know, it's it, life throws changes. At about what, excuse me, about what year is that? About what year is that? Okay. So let's see. Stock market crashes in, was it 20? Was it 2008? Yeah. Yeah. 2008. Yeah. So 2008. So that was probably about 20, 2009, 2010, probably. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, obviously lots of change, but we're, we're at the end of our segment. So we have to, we we have to take a little bit of a break, but when we come back, we're going to continue the story. I'm, I've got all these questions that I want to dive into, but but this it's such an interesting path. And I, I think it's a great highlight of what it takes sometimes to be successful and the setbacks that you have. Entrepreneurial success doesn't come from just everything coming easy. Sometimes we have to set step back and we have to do that a couple of times to find that path to finally find out that ultimate need. So we're going to continue with the story and see where this goes. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. True results happen where culture meets execution. The Execution Culture, co-written by our host, Chris Elias, is designed to make your company smarter, faster, and stronger by sharing real-world advice on culture, leadership, and execution. It's time to transform your business with the help of the Execution Culture. The book is available now on Amazon. Click the link on the show page. Is your company or team struggling to achieve the results you would like? Optimize your life, your team, and your organization through clarity, purpose, and action. At Mexicute, we have over 100 years of combined experience leading organizations and coaching individuals to achieve their vision. We design a customized approach to ensure successful execution and optimize your results. Connect better. Grow better. For a free consultation with Chris Elias, visit MexicuteGroup.com. That's M-E-X-E-C-U-T-E group.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is Transformative Experts with Chris Elias. If you have a question or a comment about the show, please send an email to listener at transformativeexperts.com. Now, back to Transformative Experts. And we're back with Allie Levine. So, Allie, we, we left off and you were talking about yet another transformation and in, in looking into the enter, entertainment world and moving. So you had to reset. You had to find a, a mentor. Uh, continue your story, uh, you know, to and tell us how that got you to where you are. Absolutely. So, yeah, I am luckily had different family and friends, like I said, that were in the entertainment industry and I was able to get some mentorship and different connections. So I went out and started interning again, you know, no pay, but it was an experience. It was something to learn. And I started just working in, you know, different projects and learning what the costume side of things was and that part of fashion of the entertainment industry. And um, styling wasn't really a term yet. So it was more like the shopping uh, aspect of it. But I realized as soon as I started doing it, I fell in love with the aspect of what you were creating and how you were creating it and the sourcing and the chaos of sourcing and all these different things. And I, I would have never thought like that's what I would have been into because of all the different other things that I've been in, but this was a whole new way of designing and creating. And it was really fueling me and I was so excited. So then I landed my first paid movie, which was wall street money never sleeps with the great Oliver stone. Yeah. And I got to uh, inter- interview with him and his team. That was like one of the most intimidating interviews in my life. Um, <laughs> And, you know, they told me like, hey, we're not really looking for someone in fashion. We just need someone essentially to kind of run around and do whatever we need. And I didn't have any jobs at the time. I didn't have any, you know, any prospects. I was, you know, basically living back at home. I was like, okay, well, you know what? This is something because I don't have anything else. Um, And I didn't want to sit on, you know, my butt at home. I've never been someone who can sit still. 
<laughs> so I started working as a PA for Oliver Stone and his team and just doing coffee, donuts, you know. That's uh, where it starts in entertainment, that, that PA that's position. Right. My sister was a PA for a while, so I, I know that role you know. very well, yeah. Yeah. So I was just doing whatever they needed. I mean, you know, it was freezing at night, you know, like dead of winter and it'd be like, you know, 10 o'clock at night, go get, get us coffee, you know, get us donuts. I mean, it was like, it was very intense. Um, but I loved it because I felt like I was getting to really learn from like these amazing people. And after quite a few months of working my butt off on the set, Oliver is truly such an amazing person and individual. And, you know, he said to me, you know, you really have worked and we've seen you work and we see how late you stay and how early you come in and we want to help you. We know you're into fashion. We're going to let you do a couple of days a week in the costume department here with the head costume designer. Oh my God. I was like in tears. I was, I was shocked. I couldn't believe I was getting, cause I was told straight up from the dent and from the minute I took the yes on the interview, you will only be doing, you know, coffee, donuts, maybe going into a trailer to drop something off to an actor. That's it. Yeah. So I was very much in my mind, like that's all I was going to be doing. And I was still, of course, working hard, hoping that at some point things would shift. And there was. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So I got to go work. Yes. Well, so so there's another theme there, right? Um, hard work, right? And this is something we hear from a lot of our guests. You know, it would have been very easy for you to just kind of fall back in the role of a PA. And you might still be a PA today, right? But the fact that, that, that you went over and above, came in early, stayed late, did the extra work. I mean, again, it, it's that work ethic that causes people to recognize what you can bring to the table. And, and that creates an opportunity. Absolutely. I agree with you. And I think that people forget, like, because you can't see it, right? When you see the final picture of anyone, you don't know all the blood, sweat and tears that essentially went into it and right. all that hard work, but it's so, it's so true. And yeah, I, I worked, I worked my butt off. I mean, look, I would be there at four in the morning to 10 o'clock at night some days. Like I was, there was no sleep for the weary when it came to this job, but I was feeling fulfilled. I swear I was living off of adrenaline because I was not getting sleep. Yeah. Um, and I was just in it. And then when they shifted me over and had me start learning for, you know, a couple of days of the week in the costume department and getting to work with the famous Ellen Mirajnik and her team, who's this like top, you know, famous costume designer. It was, it was a game changer for me. I mean, I immediately started getting to see how the costumes were coming together, how they were shopping it, you know, what, what was happening behind the scenes. And over time, Ellen took me under her wing, which also was never expected. And she started bringing me kind of Devil Wears Prada style, like to her house. And I would feed her cat and bring her groceries in, you know, and I would go with her to the set and hold everything for her. But I was still there, even though I wasn't getting to do the things I wanted to do. I was a part of it because I was doing everything for her and I yeah. was there and it was just so cool to me. And so that was kind of where the, the light bulb went off for me of like, oh, you know what? I could do this for a career. This is actually like what she's doing. I could do. And so, you know, I work on this movie. I do really well. And it was my, you know, first PA position. And from there I started getting, you know, amazing word of mouth referrals to go work on other shows. Um, so, you know, fast forward, I do a couple more TV shows and movies. And next thing I know, I'm moving from a PA to a shopper and I start shopping on different projects. So um, and that was a, yeah. So it's really funny. I mean, what strikes me is funny, um, and maybe I'm getting a little ahead of the story, but if I think about the childhood, right, going with your grandmother, picking out the clothes, helping, you, you're basically, I mean, you moved right back to doing that. I mean, <laughs> it brought back one of your favorite things in your childhood, and now you're making a career out of it. It's so true. Yeah. yeah it's, I love that. It's, I love it's that an amazing path. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So I am. Um, and I don't think honestly, I even picked up on that for quite some time and that it was like, oh my gosh, this is everything I was doing. And now here it is as a job, you know? And so, um, you know, I start working, you know, for all these different projects and movies and TV. And then I got asked to go to Atlanta to work on Big Mama's house. I don't know if it was two or three oh, yeah. um, with Martin Lawrence. And I was in charge of his fat suit. <laughs> <laughs> he, he must have been a trip to work with too. I mean, that guy's so oh, creative. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Beyond. Um, he's hilarious and definitely a trip is a good word. Um, and so I, you know, went to Atlanta, I start working with him and the team and the main team was from Los Angeles and they were amazing. And they turned to me and they said, 
you know, what are you doing in New York? Like, you seem so creative. You seem so into fashion. Like, you should be in L.A. And I was like, well, I went to the West Coast for a hot minute for a guy, and that didn't work out. I came back <laughs> I came back to New York. I've always been, you know, from New York. Like, this has been my roots. I think I'm going to stay here. And they were like, that's cool. But, like, if we could just give you some advice, we see you and how creative you are. We see where your goals and dreams are. You want to go to L.A. And there was something, I don't know, there was something about the way they said it to me. It just hit me that like, okay, you know what? It might be time to make another change. And they offered me essentially to go work with them for a year and, you know, give them all my time. But in exchange, they would train me. They get me in the costume union. They would set me up, you know, to start my career. And I thought, how many times do you have someone turn to you and say, we will basically take care of you and set you up? Pretty much none, <laughs> you know? Um, and so I turned to my, you know, boyfriend, now husband, and I said, uh, so I think I'm going to go to LA, you know, and and he was like, I thought you were thinking of moving to Georgia potentially because you've been here working. And I was like, yeah, no, you know, just, just kidding. <laughs> I'm going to go to Los Angeles. Um, and I packed my bags right after the Martin Lawrence uh, movie. And, you know, uh, there it was, you know, it was a month later and out to LA I went and everybody thought I was crazy because I'd been in New York pretty much my whole life. But I could feel my dream was there and I could feel that they were setting me up with all these different opportunities. So that was how I got out to Los Angeles um, back in the end of 2010. You know, so it's funny, you know, one of the things you said a minute ago is that, you know, how often does it does it happen that somebody comes and, and, and sets you up and, and basically kind of gives you an opportunity to find success and will take care of you and get there? I think it happens more often than we realize, but are we open to it? Do we recognize it when it's there? You know, that's one of the questions. But I also don't think it just happens for everybody. There's a lot of people, and, and I'm not I'm trying not to be judgmental, but a lot of people who just go through life. You know, they, they, they go from one job to the next, and you know, work is work, and they, maybe they haven't found their passion. I, I feel bad for people who haven't found their passion. But then there are others who, who become just obsessed with something, just have a, an extreme passion, and they follow after it. And I have found that those people always seem to find people, or maybe people find them, you know, maybe it's just that they're open to it that will help them move forward. I myself, I can't tell you how many people have just arrived in my life out of nowhere who who just start helping. I think generally speaking, people who've been successful want to help others be successful. It's it's a characteristic that's out there, but you only see it if you're open to it. It's so true. You do have to be open. And and I, I agree with you. I definitely I definitely felt open because of the conversations I had with them because of the team they were to me, but I could definitely see how, had I stuck in the, Oh no, I'm just going to stay in New York and I have opportunities here and this is safe. I would have definitely just stayed in New York, but I, I, I took a chance. I took a leap of faith, you know, and, and I was open to it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and obviously your history has helped you shape things, but not just in, in your work, but also in, in how you lead, you know, look, look, let's face it, you don't become a successful, you know, the term today is influencer. I mean, we, we use different I, terms. Can I tell you, I, I really don't like that word. Every time someone introduces me that way, I'm like, can I be an inspirer? Can yeah. I be someone? Yeah, no, I totally, <laughs> I totally get it. I mean, you know, it's, I, I, I get that a hundred percent because, because we do so much more, right? Um, but you don't, you don't get to that point. You don't get that recognition unless you're showing other things. I mean, yeah, you've got the people out there that um, maybe have walked on a lot of people to get to where they are, but then it doesn't last. People aren't there for you when things go south, right? To, to be in that right. place where others are helping you. And, um, you know, I'm going to guess that your history. So, for instance, you know, you, you talked about your target, your history at Target. It's, it's kind of funny. I've, I've already had a bunch of people that with no intention whatsoever, but have all worked for Target. And I hear such great things about Target. It almost makes me want to see if I can get somebody at Target to do one of these things to talk about it. But, you know, yeah, they teach the business, but there's a lot of leadership stuff they teach as well. Um, what were some of the things that you took away? What, you know, what did you learn about leadership and, and, and what it means to lead others? And how has that influenced what you do right now? Yeah, that's a really good question. It's so true. Target's training was probably the best I've ever received in my life in all the careers I've ever done in all the projects. Target really, they truly set you up for success. And when you come into their executive program, especially, they really do. They focus so heavily on leadership and they focus so heavily on 
how you advance um, in your career and how you can set yourself up for success. And I think that's something really special because not everybody teaches you that. And, you know, with the leadership, you know, you set up these, you know, uh, for soft lines, right? You do planograms and you set up all these different, um, you know, when people don't know what planograms are, you're essentially putting together all these different displays, you know, of how the clothing is going to look and the way it's going to be laid out and how people are going to perceive it when they come in. And you have to teach your team how to set this up because, in the beginning, you do it all on your own, but eventually you can't do every single, you know, over 13 departments. I can't do every single one. I was going in at four in the morning and getting done by the time the store opened. It was like, okay, it's time to pass this over to your team and have them help you. So they teach you how to not only help them do it actually physically, but how to get in the mindset of how you delegate and how you release control essentially and trust in your team and how you build them up so that they have that trust and they feel excited to want to do that part of the job and how it all comes together. So they really do a great job of teaching you empowerment and leadership and creativity kind of all in one and how it forms this like beautiful marriage to be able to lead people so they are successful in what they're doing and you help them advance you know, especially in Target in different levels and what they're, you know, creating. And so it was really interesting because I was like 20, 21 years old when I first started and here I am, you know, managing and leading 40 year olds, 50 year olds. And it was intimidating because it was like, these people are so much older than me. Yeah, absolutely. It's hard. It was very hard. And there was a lot of resentment. There was a lot of like, what is this young girl doing here? And I had to like really, you know, not only like get down on the ground with them and get my hands, you know, dirty to show them that like I was doing it with them and I wasn't going to just manage them and tell them what to do, but also that I was there for them to be successful. I was there to help them and empower them in what they were doing in their role. That It's such an important point because um, I, I think sometimes people have this impression that you have to manage others once you're given the title. You have to be the person with all the answers. And I find that the best leaders, and we, we often talk about the difference between managers and leaders, managers managers do control and dictate. Whereas, you know, and, and there's a time and place for that, by the way, I don't want to Im- imply that being a manager is a, a bad thing. It's a good thing when used properly, but there are also times to inspire. And I think coming in and being the young one, you know, earning your right is really hard and you're going to do that through how you treat others. It's not what you know, and, and it's not what your abilities are, but it really does come down to how you treat others. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And I mean, I think that's no matter where you are in business, how you treat others is, is what's going to, you know, change anything or have someone want to do more with you and build more with you because they feel appreciated and they feel the, you know, the, the success that they're having with you and, and they feel like they're learning from you and, and all of these things. And, and when you're just dictating to someone, like you said, and just managing and controlling, that doesn't feel good in any way, shape or form. Control never does. Right. right. So I think I, even at a young age had to learn that with management because they was like, yes, I am the executive and I'm, you know, over all these people, quote unquote, but they're all working with me and I have to train them and I have to empower them and I have to help them in order for my department to be successful. And that was hard. You know, at first they pushed back a lot on me and and my department wouldn't score as well, like, you know, in the target scoring and they'd be like, what's going on? I'd be like, well, you know, this, you know, employees doesn't like, you know, how I'm doing this or this one is like that. And it was like, they would take it out on, on me, you know, and it was like, whoa, this is really intense. So I'd have to spend more time with them and and tell them how much I appreciate them and how I want them to learn and not to look at me as someone who's above them just because I'm, you know, this 21 year old, you know, woman coming in as an executive and Mm -hmm. how can I help them? How can I help them learn? What are their goals here at Target? Where are they going with what they're doing? And when I started doing that and taking the time and really leading and empowering, that's when things shifted. All my departments went from being, you know, lower, you know, on the totem pole and, you know, in corporate to then being the top, top ones. And all of a sudden I'm getting, you know, district one, you know, this and district one that, and it wasn't, you know, just for me, it was from my entire team and us building and creating what we were doing, you know, on a massive level. But you're right. It starts with that leadership. And I definitely had a lot of, you know, hard uh, ego checks that I had to go through to, oh, to learn leadership. <laughs> I, I, I bet you did. I bet you did. And But but great lessons. And certainly has, has helped you uh, get to where you are today. Uh, we are up on our next break already. So um, everybody stay tuned. Uh, we've got one more segment. We're going to, you know, let's, we're going to go down some more paths with, um, with Allie and maybe even get some fashion advice before before we're done. So um, stay tuned. We'll be back in just a minute.
Is your company or team struggling to achieve the results you would like? Optimize your life, your team, and your organization through clarity, purpose, and action. At Mexicute, we have over 100 years of combined experience leading organizations and coaching individuals to achieve their vision. We design a customized approach to ensure successful execution and optimize your results. Connect better. Grow better. For a free consultation with Chris Elias, visit nexecutegroup.com. That's N-E-X-E-C-U-T-E group.com. True results happen where culture meets execution. The Execution Culture, co-written by our host, Chris Elias, is designed to make your company smarter, faster, and stronger by sharing real-world advice on culture, leadership, and execution. It's time to transform your business with the help of the Execution Culture. The book is available now on Amazon. Click the link on the show page. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is Transformative Experts with Chris Elias. If you have a question or a comment about the show, please send an email to listener at transformativeexperts.com. Now, back to Transformative Experts. And we're back one last time with Allie Levine. You know, uh, so Allie, obviously you started generating a fair amount of success. And, you know, uh, people, different people define success different ways. I mean, if we keep it really, really very simplistic, it is about your personal happiness, right? And um, we can, you know, we can certainly find personal happiness just working in a corporation for others, you know, find personal happiness and following their, their passion. And, you know, you certainly had, you know, as we mentioned before, come on this full circle tour to back what you were doing with your grandmother, which was, which, which was great found yourself really being personally happy. And then you go down the path. A lot of us go down as we, you know, we, we get married, we start a family. Um, you, you know, you did the same thing and, um, our, our audience doesn't know this yet, but you know, you had your first baby and, and, and really at that moment started uh, going through some postpartum depression and that started generating some, um, some thinking, uh, you know, whether it's postpartum, I mean, many of us will go through different phases of depression, questioning our lives. Can you tell us a little bit about what that was like and, and how did that cause you to rethink where you were going yet again and, and how it's de- developed into the success you're experiencing today? Yeah, uh, absolutely. So I, um, I never expected to go through uh, the heavy postpartum depression that I did. I don't think anyone does. Um, and, you know, I was at the top of my career, you know, I had, you know, fast forward, I had moved to Los Angeles, I had created my business, I was in design, I was styling the top of the top, my clients were getting best dressed everywhere all over the world. I was on, you know, red carpet after red carpet, you know, camera work, I mean, you name it, it was like, just everything was happening. And it was honestly surreal to me, like that, I, that everything was playing out the way it was. And I had always felt like I was going to just stay on that path, because I didn't want anything to shake that. And I felt comfortable where I was, I was on a trajectory, and that's what I was doing. And my husband, you know, he moved out to Los Angeles with me because he saw a future for us. And he was like, one day, we'll get married, have a family. And so one day that day, you know, came and I was putting it off for so long, because I think I was so afraid of anything changing. Sure. And so then here comes the postpartum, you know, depression after I have my first daughter. And I think it really threw me for a loop because right in the beginning, when I first had her, I, you know, took her to set with me in the beginning and I would be on set. I remember I would have her like, you know, on my, my little carrier and I'd be, you know, still dressing and picking out outfits or I'd be standing off to the side and telling my assistant what to grab for the celebrity while I was feeding her. And, you know, in my mind, I was like, okay, I'm doing it all. Like it's, I'm good. I got her, I've got my career. It's all happening. And slowly but surely, I was starting to feel unfulfilled again. My soul was really feeling like not good. That creativity, it was not pulling me. And I just felt like stuck and I didn't know what was going on. And so then I started like getting upset when I'd be on set and I I would just start like crying out of nowhere when uh, my daughter would be, you know, at home with like one of my family members or a friend. And I realized that all of a sudden, like being on set and styling and being around these celebrities wasn't fulfilling me anymore. And it literally hit me like a ton of bricks. Like it was just like, boom, this is not fulfilling you anymore. Wow. 
And I, yeah, exactly. And I, and I, and I wasn't, I was not open to accepting it. Let's be, let's be real about that. I was not, I would, I would turn to my husband and say, I think I just need to like go get a massage or I just need to go get my nails done. And so I would go do some self-care and think that that would fix it, go back and do another job and be back in the same place spinning all over again. So I was just doing, you know, this, this circle that was not ending. And so then I had to kind of take a hard look at myself and say, like, what's going on? And I felt like I said to my husband when I turned to him in bed and I said, I feel like I'm like mourning the death of myself. Like, I don't know what's happening. I don't know who I am. I don't, I don't know what is going on. Who is this woman? Like, wh- what's happening with me? And he just kind of looked at me like dumbfounded because he didn't even realize where I was. And he was just like, well, what do you mean? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not happy. I, I'm not happy in my career. I'm not happy leaving her. I don't know what I'm doing as a new mom. I, I don't know what I'm doing. I was totally just thrown. And that's when it kind of became clear that I was going to postpartum depression. It was not just, you know, baby blues and hormones. It was like, I needed help. Um, and that was hard uh, to accept. I'm not someone who uh, accepts help easy to this sure, day. I, sure. I, it's a lesson for me always. Um, and so I, you know, reached out, you know, to my birth team and the people around me. And, and you know, I, I started doing some cognitive therapy. I'm a, more of a natural person, long story short. So I was doing more, you know, cognitive therapy and journaling and meditation and those types of um, therapies uh, for myself to figure out what was going on. And a lot of what came up in my therapy and, you know, just going through all of it was that I was just no longer happy in what I was doing because I had lost my confidence in it. I had lost that confidence and that excitement that I had in this career that I had built for so long. And I didn't, and I felt almost like a fraud showing up doing it for others when I didn't have it within myself, because for years I had always had it within myself and I was so confident in what I was doing. And so I was just flying in it. But then when my confidence was shook, it was like, whoa, who am I? What am I doing? And how am I even going to show up to do this for somebody else? So that really rocked me. And after about a year of uh, honestly going through that and kind of taking a step back, I did only a couple events, a couple of projects here and there, pretty much had my assistants take over and I oversaw things. I started feeling myself shift more and more and felt like, you know what, maybe this is just not fulfilling me anymore. This is not doing what it was doing before. And again, very hard pill to swallow, but I realized like if I didn't and I wasn't open to something else, I was just going to stay stuck. And I've been stuck for almost a year. And luckily I had a great team and husband, everybody around me that was like, well then see what else you want to do. See what else, you know, and it was like, oh my gosh, I mean, I moved out here. I started this whole career, everything I've done. And I'm just going to say like, oh, it's just not working. But that was the reality, you know? And I realized more and more, I wanted to be around my daughter and I wanted to be around every milestone that she was having. And I didn't want to leave. I wanted, I wanted to be a, a part of all of it. And that was, that, that was not expected because in my mind, I was going back to set. I was going to leave her, you know, and come back in a couple hours and I'd be fine. But that was not the case at all. And so then, you know, I realized like, you know, all this is happening. And as my second baby's chiming in the background. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, you know, clearly you've made a change and you're not on the set anymore. Right. So for our listeners, we, we, we all hear the extra guest in the background, which is to me, it's just a lot of fun. So. Like she's she's just my, my my little one, my fifteen was going, Dad, 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 dad. I'm like, oh my gosh, well, my husband trying to keep everybody down. <laughs> um but <laughs> quiet on set doesn't work so well now. Um, but um <laughs> but you know, after going through all that, I started sharing my journey and I started sharing it on social media. And now here I was as always someone who shared on social media in a very glam place. Here's the red carpets I'm at. Here's the best dress. Here's me looking this fabulous. Here's me on camera. Here's this client who just got this best dress and what they're wearing, how you put their outfit together. And I couldn't show up in that space anymore, Chris, because I felt like fraud. I felt not authentic because it was not resonating with me anymore. And that was hard. And I thought, well, what am I going to post then? And I posted my first post about postpartum depression. And I posted a very raw photo of myself that was like not glam at all, very much like new mom. And I just remember, <laughs> I remember posting it and like kind of crying because it was like relieving to me, but at the same time laughing because I thought like, what are you, like, what are you doing? And I just remember looking at my, my social media, which is so terrible. This is like our egos, right? There was like no likes on it and it was just sitting. And I'm used to like, you know, my stuff just blowing up and I'm like sitting there and I'm like, Oh, it was like not getting any likes. And then I'm starting to get unfollowed. Like my social media following is falling down. Oh boy. Right. Exactly. And I was like, Oh my God, what am I, what am I doing? And I I thought to delete it and something like truly in my soul was like, no, 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 just, just leave it alone. Leave it up. 
I walked away from my phone. I'll never forget. I got a phone call from my agent at that time in LA and was like, whoa, what are you doing? Your account is bleeding. This is the, the message he says to me. And I'm like, I don't know. This is how I felt. I shared what was on my heart. And he was like, no, 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 take it down. Like, obviously it's not resonating. And I was like, oh, no. And that was the end of that agent. And so, <laughs> um, <laughs> truly, um, it was no longer in alignment. And, um, you know, anyways, fast forward, um, this is what kind of led me into the quote unquote influencer world and being a sought out mom blogger mom started rallying around me that I never expected to follow me and reach out to me and say, I went through this too, or I experienced this, or I'm going through something right now. And you just made me feel like I'm not alone. Or I would have never thought a woman like you who's had it all would be in this space. I mean, the stories and the DMS and the messages, it was, it was overwhelming how you know many people rallied around me. And then this beautiful thing happened. I started, you know, having all this fall off from the celebrity world per se, but then I shifted and I had all these amazing moms and parents, you know, coming around me. And then these mom blogs are reaching out. Can I repost this? And can I share this? And before I knew it, I was in this space of, you know, motherhood, which I hadn't, you know, planned on being, but I was making a new career out of it and working with brands and working with campaigns to share my real story and sure. to and to give moms inspiration and hope and, and, and just be real about what was going on. And so, you know, I never in a million years uh, planned on being to this day, I always laugh, but I'm like, I just share my real raw self. This is part of my job, but here I am. And this is what I've been doing. And, you know, every time I think that I'm kind of crazy in what I'm doing, another project comes and it's something else that aligns with what I'm doing. And I'm like, I guess not, I guess this is what I'm supposed to be doing, like sharing my story and connecting with others. And that was kind of how my podcast launched and, you know, all these things. And, and, um, you know, when I hear the word influencer, I always laugh because I'm like, I just want to be someone who empowers and inspires and helps others know that they're not alone and it's okay to be vulnerable. And, and I think personally, authenticity is your superpower. Yeah, you know, it, it, it really is. And, you know, the way that you describe it, you know, I think in terms of, of well, you know, people who want to be influencers, if you think in just the terms of the, the, the wording itself, the English language, right? Meaning, I want to influence others to make certain decisions. We could translate it to, I want to push my ideas on others and get other people exactly. to follow that, right? Whereas, yeah. you know, Approaching it from the standpoint of I want to inspire others is really about pushing the decision-making onto somebody else. Instead of your decisions is how can I empower you to make the right decisions? And uh, again, it, it generates a lot of success. You've, you've opened yourself up to the world and let the world take you. And, you know, as, as I explained earlier, you know, friends of mine, I know that could never walk away from, um, you know, their corporate jobs or different places. You know, sometimes they miss those signals that the world has. I mean, it, it again, had to be a huge hit to the ego, but not if, if this is your new path. What, you know, describe, so, so a project today, what does that look like? I mean, so does it, does it still bring in some of the fashion that you have a passion for, or have you moved completely away from that? You know, so it's funny. At first, I kind of completely moved away from it because honestly, I didn't even know how to show up in that space. I just yeah. felt like it didn't resonate. And now, you know, I'm getting to work with moms and share tips of how they can feel good, whether it's when they're pregnant or postpartum of what they could be wearing to feel better about what they're wearing. Or, you know, a mom who's starting over in the career world because she's been a mom for so many years and she wants to go back out there and, you know, work in corporate and has to find her confidence again and getting dressed. So it's shifted, you know, and, yeah. and I love it. I love it. I'm getting to work with everyday people and really see their transformations and their appreciation. It's a whole different level of what I used to be in. Um, but it's so soul fulfilling. And so now, yeah, I'm getting just to do more of the ordinary personal styling and helping people just figure out, even if it's just at home remote, how to show up on Zoom. I do a ton of consultations of like, how do you look good on Zoom? And, you know, like, how do I put myself together for an interview? I mean, it was amazing. In the beginning of 2020, I had someone reach out and I styled them across the world and they sent me the nicest message. And they said, not only did I get the job because of you, but I'm now like in a whole new position because of the confidence I, I received from you. And I also, by the way, I'm in a new relationship and I was like, whoa. And I forget sometimes how transformative like clothing oh, yeah. and fashion truly can be. But when she sent that to me, it was a reminder of like, yeah, I'm still on the same path. I'm still on the same trajectory. I'm just in a different chapter of my life and what I'm doing and sharing authentically from all different spaces is helping inspiring that. Absolutely. And so we've only got a couple of minutes left, but I am curious with all that you do and for, for any of the moms, really anybody out there, is there one bit of advice when it comes to figuring out your fashion, one bit of advice that, that, that you would offer 
What's the first thing we should think about? Yeah, absolutely. So especially moms, because I know it's so hard for moms to get dressed in there too. Um, I always tell them like a mama form, a uniform. Well, and it can be for anyone, but especially moms. I always tell them like, have your closet set up where it's like, these are your go-to shirts. These are your go-to pants. You know, this is maybe the dress you wear when you feel like, you know, you want to be casual, but still a little bit dressed up. Whatever it is, like build that out in your closet and have that be like essentially the uniform you go to. So you can, you know, know when you walk in your closet, it's not overwhelming because I know that was a lot of my postpartum depression was like even getting dressed for someone like me who's a stylist was overwhelming because I just didn't have the capacity mindset wise. So walking into your closet and setting yourself up for success and saying, I know this shirt fits me well and feels comfortable, or I know these jeans work, or I like this dress, having those basics and knowing you can put yourself together quickly with your uniform is key. Um, and, and men, of course, as well. Um, and then for women, like accessories, I always tell people, like, even if you're in just casual, especially nowadays, right? So many of us are at home. If you're casual, don't feel like you still can't put on like nice jewelry to like accessorize and give yourself a little like uplift and feel excited that you're wearing your favorite bracelet or your favorite earrings. Like you'd be surprised how much that changes how you feel. Maybe it's a pop of lip color for a woman that gives you like an extra feeling. Think about the colors also when you put something on. If there's a certain color, color therapy is a real thing. If there's a certain color that makes you feel good, like yellow is a bright one, pink something... If there's a color that you recognize when you get dressed or an outfit you put on that really does something for you and your soul, recognize that and make sure you tap into that and get more in your wardrobe of that. And don't wear things that maybe you feel stuffy in, you know, um, things like that are you know, the basics, but they're really key to starting your wardrobe. Excellent. Excellent. And uh, the advice I could probably use, I mean, you know, I'm sure my wife's going to listen to it and say, you know, you need to hire her because I, I keep hearing <laughs> I need a style. Right. So uh, we'll figure that out. But, uh, but, you know, uh, I'm sure that some of our listeners, maybe interested in tracking you down, um, what's the best way for somebody to find you? Is it through your website? So yeah, they can go to AllieLevine.com, just my name. Um, and then social media, I, I have all platforms. I spend most time on Instagram. Um, so Allie Levine Design um, on all social platforms, just A-L-I-L-E-V-I-N-E Design. And please, if something you know resonated with you, if you have any questions, feel free to DM me. I love to connect with others. I will always get back. It may take me a minute, but I will always get back to my messages. So feel free to, to say hello or ask any questions. Excellent, excellent. So again, you know, Allie Levine, the spelling A-L-I, L-E-V-I-N-E. Let's, you know, make sure we get it. So AllieLevine.com or AllieLevineDesign um, as far as the other methods are. Allie, thank you so much for, for being with us today. This, is, this has been a fun one today. Thank you so much for having me. Well, folks, uh, thanks for tuning in and um, stay tuned. We've got another good one coming next week. And until then, have a great week. Thank you for joining Chris Elias for this week's edition of Transformative Experts. We hope you'll tune in again next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And catch our weekly replay on the Voice America Influencers Channel, Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Have a good week.